Welcome back to Division One Rejects, episode 125, September 4th. We did a lot of previewing last week, Trev. We're going to do a lot of recapping today. Indeed. Fun. Yes. Fun stuff today. Football. Fun. Football. Football. Two guests for you tonight. Antonio Clark, the columnist from D2 Football. He's focused on the RMAC, the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. Uh, Kobe, why would you want to have the RMAC insider on the show today? What do you think? Um, maybe because one of the greatest games of possibly the year was last night. Not last night. A couple nights ago. What are we? What are we? Yeah. What are we? A team that goes by the donkeys. Just kidding. Even though their mascot is one blaster, I think his name is. Yeah. You see that? He is a donkey. They're the ore diggers. But yeah, Mines and GV, we're going to talk a lot about them today. Number four versus number two, that game was incredible. Otherwise, though, we've got uh, quarterback Mike Hohensee from Northwest Missouri State. They had a big win. They're number five in the country. Big win over Missouri Southern, MIAA opponents. So we'll talk to Mike later on in the episode. Stick around for both of those. If you want to get right to those conversations right now, have me shut up. Use the timestamp spot on the screen of the chapters on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, those will be listed in the description below. Fast forward to any part of the show. Otherwise, we had three Division II teams with wins over FCS opponents. Not only that, they were all HBCUs. So uh, pretty big time, I will say. You know, maybe not the most quality of opponents, but, but D2 over D1. It's I mean, still like you think about scholarship-wise. Absolutely. Like that's that shouldn't happen. Like D2 should not – not three D2s. In the same weekend beating D1. And there might be more this week, and there potentially should have been more this past week when you look at some of the, the games on the schedule. We'll go over those games uh, a little bit as well. Trevor, we've got some headlines for today. Jim Harbaugh is dead. A team scored 96 points in week one, and a quarterback threw seven touchdowns. Hell of a weekend of football. It just sounds like another week of football to me, to be honest with you. Rip Harbaugh. <laughs> just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead and throw them up one time. There you go. Uh, but as always, Rest if you want to listen to that stuff, see what the hell we're talking about, I'm sure you already know, but fast forward any portion of that episode. You can watch the episode on YouTube. You can listen pretty much anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Two great guests today. I enjoyed both the conversations with those guys very much. Follow us on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Uh, see how it's from the show on both those platforms. Do not forget to subscribe on the YouTube. Otherwise, no more Dilly Adalian. Dilly Adalian. Dilly Adalian. I made it into one word. No more of it. Whatever the hell it is. Get right to the conversation with Antonio. <laughs> Join the show tonight. A former Maverick, Colorado Mesa, where he played in the secondary. Now, though, on the other side of things, the RMAC columnist for D2Football.com, it's Antonio Clark. What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Happy to talk some D2 football tonight. Pump, man. Not just any D2 football. Probably the biggest week one matchup that I can remember in shit, I don't even know how long. Grand Valley goes out to Mines in a game where a lot of question marks uh, were kind of surrounding that one. Obviously, two great teams from the prior year, hence those rankings. But uh, Mines walks out of that one. I shouldn't say walks. Maybe barely gets out of that one with that last-second field goal. Grand Valley, dude. And we said on the pod, and we were recording the night of, we said if anyone can pull this comeback off when they're down 28-7, it'll be these guys. They almost pulled it off, man. It was an amazing atmosphere. It was, a, it was an amazing game. The way I've been describing it, the way I, I described it when I was talking about it, previewing it, it was, it's a heavyweight fight. You know they're two of the best teams in the nation. Uh, Grand Valley with their size, just that, that style of football, that really physically imposing style of football, you know, counteracting Mines, Mines who had just played Ferris in the national championship and didn't show as well 
against a, a Gleak opponent for Mines to uh, to to escape, I'll say, was yeah. still very impressive to me. You know, absolutely. Grand Valley showed a lot of heart coming back. Uh, for being there for a while, I thought Mines was going to bust it open. I thought it was going to be like a blowout for for a period of time. I thought they'd do it, but Grand Valley came back. Uh, their their quarterback he he had a game. Um, he did. You know, he was under. He was under a lot of duress the entire game, but you know he made plays. He he found guys. He extended. Uh, it, it was really impressive. Like that's exactly what I expected when I when I was on my way to the game. Absolutely. And before I we get into more of it, I'm first year with D two football. I wanted to leave with that for you. What's that been like? Obviously, it's not your first time being around the game. Like I'm not an idiot, but <laughs> being around in this capacity, you've worked in the news setting before. I gotta imagine this is just exciting to you know to be around it in this form. Oh, it, it's it's just it's such a blessing, you know. Like I used to watch these guys do these uh these shows like Hell back yeah. when I was in college. Like I remember actually being pissed off like my senior year that I wasn't a, an All American on there. <laughs> yeah, so I was actually really pissed about it. Um, but no, it, it's been a blessing. You know, they're really cool guys. They've been doing this for years. They they know a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of insight that they provide and help me out like learning more around the nation but it, it's been great I look forward to it uh I love getting on the message board and interacting with the fans like I even used to do that back in college like see yeah. what see what shit the fans are talking on the message board it. and whatnot I love it yeah but you're talking all about Cade Peterson and his night was all over the place the big storyline this offseason he loses his top two pass catchers to freaking power five programs and the big question is who steps in to take their place? How do you continue to make those kind of plays when you lose that type of skill? Now, Grand Valley, obviously, in a position where they can reload. And we saw a little bit of that. Took the offense a little bit to get settled in. You mentioned it, though. He was under duress for a lot of that game. Mines comes out with, I believe, four sacks. They're getting back there, pressuring him. His ability to extend plays was really impressive, especially when sometimes the rushing attack was not there for the Lakers. He was their leading rusher. And when you look at, out of that backfield, someone that I was, just a stat I was really surprised about, Tariq Reed, basically a non-factor in this one, which is just astounding. Seven carries, four yards from a guy who I think I would put in the conversation, you know, one of the best, if not the best back in our conference. And you look at a national level, for him to have that impact on a game was super surprising. So I think that's just a kudos to the defensive front from Mines, if anything. Mines' front seven is insane. You know, it's loaded. Nolan Reeve, like, with COVID giving all these guys, you know, the more years and more time to play, they got a lot of, like, seasoned vets that have played mm -hmm. a ton of games. Nolan Reeve, um, I, I forget his name. I believe it's Cade Peterson, number 97. There's some dogs. Their linebacking core, Healy, Healy went off. Um, Adrian Marino's been an all-conference guy. You know, and I'll just keep harkening back to that national championship game, you know, like, them going up, getting a taste of like that top tier Gleak, even though they they had played um, Grand Valley earlier in the season last year and barely yep. lost to him. You know, I I just think every year Mines takes another step forward. You know what I mean? Every year, if they get beat that next year, they're not going to get beat the same way. They're not going to get out physical. You know what I mean? And I think they were out to prove that, and they they definitely did it. Where I think Mines is going to have some trouble possibly is uh, on the back end. You know, they lose a Mason Pierce, an All-American DB. Um, you know, they still got a lot of vets back there. Cam Forrest is back there. Uh, Jaden Williams, you know, they, they got guys back there. But, you know, it it showed some of, the, some of the youth. Some of those plays where some of those guys got behind them, like 
Some of them are bad, in, in my opinion. You know, uh, I, I'm not sure his name on Grand Valley. I think, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Fierney? Fierney? Cody Fierney? Okay, yeah, I know you you're know talking, talking about. You know what I'm talking about, number five? Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he was getting behind those guys, uh, making huge plays. And I'm like, how how is this guy getting that open? So, I think Mines has some things that they can plug up. But I think their front seven was extremely impressive. Because, like you said, the running game was non-existent except for, except for the quarterbacks scrambling. Yeah. That was it, and I'm I'm right with you on that. And you know the GVSU defense, where their offense did lose a couple big playmakers. Now they did lose uh, arguably their best player in the defensive secondary on the side of GVSU, but they brought back a lot within the box. I think that showed because when you're able to hold that offense of minds, I mean, Matoka still very much the guy after week one. I mean, we don't need to crown him again after week one, but if you can do it against that defense, you can do it against a lot of people. I'm excited to see what him and McLeod, man, what the McLeod, hell? McLeod is, I, I've been saying it for years. Cause I, I you know, I, I played in the RMAC and I, I immediately was just, you know, I, I love D2 football. So I've yeah. been following it. I've been seeing all these guys grow up. I've been saying it for years since 2021, when I saw McLeod the first time he was getting tick. I think he was a redshirt freshman. He, he's just different. Like, He's fast. He's fast as fuck. He has the burners. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I know there's a misconception about like white receivers, you know, being like you know more technique guys. He he has the burners. He can run yeah. with the best of them. So that, along with the coaching, their 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 receiver coach, Coach Diedrich, there is amazing. Like if you look at minds through the years, like since 2016, they've had like four or five 2,000 yard career receivers. Yeah, like, just in a row. McLeod's just the next in line, and having seen him all play, I'd say he's the most athletic. Okay. So, like, he, he just goes off. Like, dude, I don't even think he had his best game. He still went for, like, like 150 the other day. Absolutely. Like, he, he, he didn't get in the end zone. He had a drop or so. Like, I expect him, as the season goes on, to just play bigger and bigger. And there's not a Josh Johnson there, you know, still, like, still looks from him. You know, he, he's Absolutely. that guy that, that Matoka is going to want to go to whenever, you know, he's under fire. I think that's the most impressive part is, like, you know where he's going with it, and you're still able to do that. Now, that's like the measuring stick of a great passing game or just team in general if you can't stop it even though you know it's coming. And like you said, he's just the next one in a long line of super talented receivers. Also, by the way, they're making bread as soon as they graduate. Did you see that stat from them? It was like $93,000 on entry-level jobs. Just the receiving core? Dude, I grew up in Colorado, so like, <laughs> I I got I talked to mine's coaches when I was in high school. You know, I didn't take it as serious because I was like, yeah, I'm not a nerd. I, I don't think I would have the chops academically to go. But like, now that I'm a grown man, I I, I think it's one of the dumbest decisions I've ever made. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, like, <laughs> 100k out the door. It's That's unreal. Insane. That's yeah. insane. Working at but, the news station doesn't exactly stack up right there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> not a fraction of that. <laughs> oh, no, but that is great. And, I mean, just more recently, you talk about um, that in particular over in, is it Toronto right now? Making some plays oh, over there in the CFL? Oh, yeah, he, he got his first, he had his, he made his debut tonight. I believe he had four tackles, Mason Pearson. It was so dope seeing him just grow over the years. Like, I remember, like, even seeing his body grow, like, seeing him go from little scrawny freshman kids to, like, big buff seniors, like, it's cool seeing their progression, seeing them grow. He he had a great year last year, and he's parlayed that into, like, an opportunity. He's making the most of it. Yeah, That's the thing about playing at the next level. Like, you get an opportunity. You got to make the most of it because this is, like, there's so many players. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But, uh, 
And Mine's a, their offense as well, like not just the receivers, even though Zeman's out of there and you think like, how are you going to replace an, an All-American and one of the greatest guys ever? Like they're, they're, they're running backs now, just they present a different threat. You know, they have more speed. They're more elusive. Like Roper, he's a Colorado kid that played at Dartmouth. He's nasty. Yep. And he's physical, big. Like, I know you saw that touchdown run where he, he bucked the dude. He he ran him over for the touchdown. Like, I think uh, I think Mons is just a machine that's – that's I don't think they're going anywhere. No, I'm going to agree with you. And – uh, definitely excited to see what they do as they move going forward. Another team with a big time week one performance, that being Pueblo, under their new head coach, Coach Vigil over there, they make the trip to Allendale this week to play Grand Valley at home. So they get GV's getting the best of both worlds now. At least they don't have to take the plane ride um, out to Colorado <laughs> now. What did you see from those guys against uh, Midwestern State in week one? Pueblo's Pueblo's defense is, is is insane. Like it's led by the back end. The back end is fire. They have three guys that could probably like Daniel's already Daniel Bones already been an All American, but Corey yep. and Eli they they probably will. Like the trajectory they're starting on, each of them had a turnover in the first half of the game. Um, you know, I'm super huge fans of those guys over there just because uh, Coach V Hill he was like actually a coach at Mesa when I first went there, so I know him personally. Okay, I didn't know that. a lot of that coaching staff. Uh, they're, uh, the DB coach there was my DB's coach in college. So I know, like, what what he's teaching them, you know, his philosophies and stuff. And that's on top of the stuff that they already knew. Like, Pueblo has a long line. The same way I talk about the Mines, D, or Mines receivers, Pueblo kind of has that with DBs. Like, if you look at the RMAC through the years and know the history of it, um, those guys are insane. And I don't think Pueblo up front is as dominating as they were before, but – when your back end is so good, you know, they work in tandem. If your back end is really good and can really cover, then your D-line is going to have more time to get home to the quarterback. And uh, their defense is amazing. Their offense, um, I think it left – for me personally, it left a little bit to be desired as far as running the ball. I'm used to Pueblo being a kind of like similar to the Grand Valleys and Ferris States, yeah. being a physically imposing Downhill, team that can sure. run the ball. You know, like over time they've they've incorporated the pass more. But still, like, they always come out and they're just a hard-nosed team. I, I don't think they ran the ball as well as I would have liked to see. But uh, Chance Fuller looks good. He was efficient. Um, they they got a nice receiving core. Their receiving core is really good. And uh, I, the, the one thing on their offense that I would say as far as the running game, improving as well, too, is uh, I do think their quarterback was under pressure a little bit. I think he took some hits. You know, like I was taking photos. I got some pictures of him getting blasted. You know, you just don't want to see that. <laughs> you don't want to see your quarterback taking hits. Like whether they're actual sacks or just QB hits over the course of a game, those add up. And I think any quarterback gets rattled if you keep consistent pressure on them. Absolutely. I mean, those all feel the same, whether it's a sack or a hit. Those are usually not going to, to feel great. You mentioned uh, Bone in the back end there. He's going to be a guy for them in that secondary. And then – that's not a surprise. Like, we knew that coming into this year, but having some other guys step up in that secondary as well, two interceptions they had, neither of them came from Bone himself. So that's going to be big time. Like you said, the way those two complement each other, you talk a little bit about like a coverage sack type of situation or disrupting plays in the backfield and forcing maybe some uh, some off-target off throws or some off-cadence throws. Um, but otherwise, looking around rest of the conference, who else do we need to be watching in the RMAC? I know Western Colorado is probably a team that's up there. How about you guys? Over at Mesa, even though you know trying to fill the shoes of Karst Hunter right now, who picked up a big win with IUP in their season opener. 
Um, the the way the way this, the conference would stack up for me after week one, I, I'd give I'd keep Western at third. I'd give them the nod that I think it was a huge win, uh, beating West Texas. Although you do got to take into account that West Texas, you know, they're they're getting a new coach. You know, he he's rebuilding that program and whatnot. But it was still impressive um, how they won. Um, I was really impressed with Black Hills. Black okay. Hills lost, but if you watch their game against uh, St. Thomas, like they played with them all game. You know, like that, that was a that was a good competitive game. So I I was uh, happy to see that from Black Hills. So I have Black Hills in that mix with Western. Um, SD Mines, when you got a quarterback. Yep. In college football, you got a chance. And Jaden Johansson, he's a baller. Um, I was worried about them replacing their two. They had two crazy receivers last year. Like Isaiah Eastman went for a thousand. Jeremiah Bridges went for a thousand. Like they had two insane receivers and they both got out there. Uh Eastman went up to NAU and I think Bridges ran out of eligibility. Okay. But they got a transfer from Minnesota or Northern State, I want to say. Uh he went for one fifty three and two touchdowns. So I'm like Okay, if he hey. has a guy, if he has a guy, you know, um, yeah. that may be a that may be they they may still be in it. But um, Mason, man, I, I I was disappointed, but I I'm not surprised. You know, Mason's still growing. They got so many young players. You know, like they're still rebuilding the whole program and whatnot. Um, and they're still doing the two man dance at quarterback. Like, yeah. You know, if you're playing two guys and you're not, like, giving one guy, like, just going behind him, I don't really think you have a guy. Like, if you have two quarterbacks, I think you don't really have one. In my yeah, opinion. and that's interesting because looking at, you know, spring ball, like, Carson was out of there before spring ball. So those guys had a chance, you know, the guys who were there at least to compete for that job. So obviously coming out of that, they must have not felt – 100% confident one way or the other, even through camp, and just felt that they needed to give both guys a chance. How long, obviously it's not ideal to continue to do that, but how long is it until there really is a time where, hey, whether it's right decision or wrong, you just need to embrace someone and have them be the guy for the offense. Yeah, you, you got you to gotta, you gotta just pick and choose and just ride or die with the guy. You know what I mean? As long as you're switching. I know, I know most coaches think that their offenses can just be – they're just seamless. You can just plug in any player and just run it, and that's just really not how, how it works on the field. Like, offenses, play calling has to be tailored to a guy's strengths. They have two different quarterbacks right now. Um, Gavin is he, – he's somewhat similar to Cars. He's a really athletic kid. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's more a football player than a quarterback. Okay. You know, like um, – and then their other guy, um, I'm losing his name right now. He's a young kid. Um, he transferred in from Pueblo, but their offensive coordinator was his high school coach, Coach Thinnell. Gotcha. Um, Leslie, Leslie Richardson. He got some burn. Um, those were the two guys that played in the game. Leslie, you know, he's a different guy. He's a pocket passer. He's going to sit in the pocket and fire, you know? So I, I think they got to pick one and then tailor the offense specifically to that guy's strength, to, the, to that guy's strengths. And then the other thing they got to get going is the run game. Their run game, if you go, if you can pull up the statistics, I don't know if you got a laptop right now. Their run game was putrid. It was putrid, and I'm like, if you can't run the ball and take some pressure off the quarterback, it's going to be hard for them. Defenses can just pin their ears back and get after it. Yeah. And uh, you know, Leslie, he's young. That was his first like real game action. So I still think he was kind of impressive. His stat line wasn't pretty. You know, he threw two picks, but. One of them, it was just he threw something late, and I would imagine, you know, the speed of the game is a little different. He's, I think he came out. I think his senior year was was a uh, twenty twenty, the COVID year. So like he hasn't played football. He hasn't played in the game in three years. 
and to go from high school games and high school speed to like gonna be a little rust, man. <laughs> gonna be there's just it's just inevitable. And that like, rushing attack, like you said, future's a pretty good word for it. Twenty eight net yards on twenty attempts. Uh that's not ideal, obviously, in any in any means of the sense. But um, you know, only up from here, I'm assuming for them, like you said, a lot of growth to be had there, a lot of young players, a lot of new faces. I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll get I, things figured out over there. I was impressed with their defense, though. Their yep. defense, um, last year, their, their secondary didn't have a pick. Game one, little Cash Bradley, he was one of those true freshmen that played oh, yeah. last year. Got himself a pick, got his hands on something. Uh, um, who was the linebacker? Hudson. Hudson Metcalf. He forced a fumble and recovered it on the quarterback. So they forced some turnovers. If you really uh, looked at the game, they didn't get scored on very much. I think they gave up some touchdowns. I think they gave up one touchdown at the end, but it, there was a pick six. A uh, punt was blocked and returned for a touchdown. Yeah, that's big. There was a kick return. You know what I mean? So the defense, the defense held strong. They did their thing. So the offense just has to get it figured out. Um, Keenan, I, I don't think they use Keenan Brown enough personally. Keenan Brown, if, if if you saw like on my Instagram, I have it posted on my story, but uh, he was going up against like an all-conference guy, the guy that was picked as the LSE defensive preseason defense player of the year. He cooked him, you know, like had a lovely diving catch. Like, he's a downplay, big play receiver, downfield big play receiver, and I think they should uh, get him involved more in their offense, and I think it'll bode well for him moving forward. I love it, man. And that's actually – that was kind of the case with uh, Northwood Glenville State this week. It was something where their defense technically held up pretty well. You get the final score, though, and you're like, there's no way. But then <laughs> a fumble return for a touchdown, an interception turn for a touchdown, special teams play, and then you're like – this game just got kind of unfolded in, in some interesting ways. But, Antonio, man, I appreciate you. I know this will not be the last time we have you on here. I'm pumped to, to continue you. that, dude. But, uh, hey, first time has been a blast. So, thank you very much. That's all I've got for you tonight, I, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Have a good one. Appreciate Antonio coming on. Just like I said, will not be the last time he's on the show. He was fantastic. And it's nice because as people who we kind of have an overview of D2, D3, NAI football, we don't get to have the luxury of going super in-depth for a lot of different teams because it's it's so hard. Yeah. It's nice to have someone who can provide those details. Like, he was pulling names out of his ass. Like, you know, this guy, this guy, big big contributors. And I'm like, I knew about half of them. But even then, I just kind of know him on a surface level. He's watches these guys play week in and week out. So having that insight, I think, is going to be super valuable for us uh, moving forward. Um Otherwise, though, let's talk about some week one games. We've already talked about GVSU and Mines at nauseam. We'll leave them out of this conversation. A really solid game, Trevor. Notre Dame College versus Ohio Dominican. This one ended up being real solid, and it was at, uh, I believe this is at Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame comes out on top, 23-21. They were behind. I think it was 16, it looks like it was 16-7 going into the half end up scoring a couple of tuds in the second half and, and come out on top of this one. I guess the biggest numbers right off the rip here, um, both offenses, decent days, not crazy days. This definitely was more of a defensive defined game. You look at um, a team like Ohio Dominican, we talked about last week how we thought their offense should be really proficient with their starting quarterback coming back. Now he did lose his top two targets. Uh, 200 passing yards of the day uh, for them and 100 on the ground. So pretty well balanced, uh, but not anything spectacular. Notre Dame's defense, I believe, has been the talk of kind of that conference. They certainly have been on top of it. That's the, the MEC, correct? 
I believe so. I believe so. You're more of the expert than me, but um, I, I, I believe that's what it's called. I believe that's NBC, and then Ohio Dominican obviously coming over from the GMAC, so a, a really strong out-of-conference game to be scheduled there. And, you know, this one, looking at some of the, the key contributors, quarterback for uh, Notre Dame, Isaiah Murphy, man, 15 for 27, 225 yards and a tud. He did take three sacks, so that was something that um, you have to – pay attention to. Um, but Jake Bird, the starter for Ohio Dominican, only threw for 120. He actually didn't even play the whole game. I have to see if he was was injured or otherwise because uh, Drew Gallahue uh, came in. He played well. Through nine passes, 79 yards. So uh, pretty balanced. We'll see kind of how that situation uh, goes moving forward. They had a 100-yard rusher on the ground in uh, John Zell Norris, uh, Norris, excuse me, from uh, ODU. And... You know, probably a lot of good to take out of both these games. Like, when you talk about a GVSU versus Mines, when you're talking about two teams that are really evenly matched and the game is decided within three points, like, you can't take away, you know, you can't come out of that game saying, hey, my team's the best, or, oh, my gosh, we suck. Right. Right? Like, there's not any crazy takeaways, I believe, to be had from this. Uh, Defensively, we had said it, ODU, they got after um, the Falcons. Over there defensively, three sacks for them on the day. Uh, Michael Powers, they 14 both, both, total tackles. Wow. For Powers. Well, both teams had three sacks. They did? Yeah. Okay, there you go. So, I mean, looking at the box score here, and it was kind of the same thing with the Mines GV game. Incredibly balanced. And you yeah. would assume, usually with a game that that's, that's that close, the box score would be balanced. Not always the case. Right? Like, you right. definitely could have other teams that, you know, just have the stats and just can't follow through. Uh, Northwest Missouri State. You look at their game and how close that was with Missouri Southern. We're going to talk about them in a little bit later. Uh, the Bearcats dominated the box score. The time of possession was 34 minutes to 20. They barely held on for that one on the road, had to come back and, and get a late victory over there. So box score is certainly not always everything. That is what we're going to be looking at today for Both the most part. Both teams punted seven times, so definitely a defensive battle. Seven each? Yeah. Woo! But little stat for you. Yeah. What you got for me? And uh, Notre Dame College, they're... Uh, Punter punted for 322 yards, while ODU's punter only punted for 247 yards. That's a per- Ooh. Pretty big, it, like, it really is a pretty big difference. It absolutely is. Especially when you punt seven times. Yeah. That's wild. Um, we, can, we can move on, though. And I guess the next team that I wanted to talk about a little bit, that being Indianapolis. Their first uh, matchup, I'm going to say first round matchup. Their first matchup of the year is against Hillsdale, uh, a pretty good crossover, GMAC to uh, GLVC crossover. Indianapolis comes out on top, the Greyhounds, 39-20 against Hillsdale there. And, you know, a big play after big play kind of game, it sounded, it, it seemed like, and they only got better as the quarters move on. Listen to the point spread here. Six in the first, nine in the second, 10 in the third, and 14 in the fourth. Their offense was absolutely relentless um, against Hillsdale. And that's, you know, Hillsdale was a team that last year had their ups and downs and was a little bit inconsistent, but then they'd come out and have the game of their lives every once in a while. They, they were, upset Ashland. Yeah, they were a consistently competitive team all year, though, I, yes. if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely were. Um, the second half for Indianapolis was when they came alive. Uh, looking here, 307 of their 502 total yards came after halftime. Defense limited Chargers to just six points in the second half. So this one, really close, 15-14 at the half. Uh, Indy comes out and just dominates 
the second half, scoring 24. And, uh, you know, some of the bigger plays here. Looks like Sukup found uh, Alonzo Derrick, 78-yard tud late can in the I, third. Can I mention Alonzo Derrick's uh, game stats? Please do. Well, there's a 78-yarder right there, so let's hear Seven that. Seven receptions for 170 and two touchdowns. Ooh! That's a game right there. That's that, that, like that's three game. games. Yeah. <laughs> and then they had another receiver that was oh over 100 yards receiving, gosh. too. Was it Kobe Lewis? It was. Kobe Lewis. He had a 55-yard catch and run um, to help seal the deal, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Damn! Okay, Indy. They've got Wayne State next week, so... Um, which Wayne We'll State? see. Wayne State, uh, our Wayne State, Wayne State University, Detroit. Michigan. Detroit. The D. The D, Wayne State. But pretty crazy, man. Uh, big interception, too, from them. Kevonta Houston, 29-yard return on that midway through the – they had in the recap here, by the way, they say the second period. <laughs> Come on, Indy, be better. Those Greyhounds. The second period, the second quarter. Uh, but that's big time, though, because – Hillsdale driving at that point, trying to take advantage and to have a turnover at that uh, at that point of the game. Really big. Michael Brown, we talked about, talked about him earlier. He's a preseason All-American guy we're probably going to hear a lot about. Uh, they had a blocked punt as well. Indy did. So talk about offense, defense, special teams. They Three phases. We fence. I might walk <laughs> out right now. Like I can't believe you just said that. I can't wait to talk about Jim Harbaugh later in the show. Rest in peace, though. Rest in peace. <laughs> it's Wee Fence. I love it, man. That's good. That's good. Let me rifle through some other uh, scores around uh, Division Two here because I know we did not really get to um, all of them on our last episode. It was a weird week because we're recording on Thursday night. Jimmy and I are just sitting here talking, and we've got scores like live coming in, and it was yeah. hard to kind of keep track. Uh, but some notable ones for sure. Assumption gets the better half of Kutztown, 31-20. That was a big game. Assumption picked uh, second in that conference in the NE10, but a lot of people have them ranked higher than New Haven in their preseason yeah. polls. So a big out-of-conference win. Someone ranked them in the top 25, didn't they? Assumption. I believe, like right around that 24-25 yeah, mark, someone right? someone did. I don't remember who it was, but... Yeah. And they're going to have... Uh, I'll have to look. Let me find their actual schedule here. But we know they're going to have a really good test here in a couple weeks. I believe two weeks from now, correct, when they go and play. Is it at Grand Valley? It's at Grand Valley, yeah. It's you tough know that environment. one's going to be a test. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably not used to that. They, Seeing a lot of the teams in the NE10. No. Probably not. A little different atmosphere. Absolutely. They've got, they're at Southern Connecticut State um, next week, which actually is going to be a great contest. And then they're at Grand Valley State. Southern Connecticut, a team that... Um, admittedly not making a lot of noise uh, the last couple years. They gave it all to Shepard this last week. Oh, remember yeah, looking did, at yeah. that score, I believe that was – I'll double check here. It was, here, it was I, a one-point game, I think. I think it was 26-27. Yeah. Um, but look, I'll go down the list a little bit more. Augustana looked really good in their opener, 38-7 against Mary, uh, their home opener. Mm-hmm. They Talk about three phases, offense, defense. They had a huge kick return – or a punt return, excuse me, for like 80-some yards. I wonder when uh, New Haven and Assumption play. Uh, they play, I can tell you actually, dude, they play so the third to the last week of the year, so three or week eight. I bet they'll be like, that's that's what that, that That's like our be. anchor bone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a huge game. Like, It will be. Probably will decide who wins any time. Oh, I would assume so. 
Okay. Uh, Westchester 2019 over Bentley. That was a really good contest. We had uh, Texas A&M Kingsville came out 30-10 to 10 over Colorado Mesa. Mesa still a lot of – we talked about them a little bit with Antonio. Still a lot of things we, uh, to, to figure are out Are we going to mention another uh, Texas team? What they did? Midwestern State. Talked yeah. about, we talked about Pueblo a good amount with Antonio, but um, what, who do you have in mind? Not, not Midwestern State. They struggled a bit. Maybe a team. I don't know if we're going to talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We absolutely can't. Is it is this time to talk about I that? I think it's time. I want to talk about it. <laughs> I've been thinking about it. Oh, the team that we're talking about is the University of Texas Permian Basin. And, Kobe, what the hell is that? Let me just show you this number, and you're going to understand exactly why we're talking about UTPB. Holy shit. They scored 96 points. <laughs> this isn't basketball. This is football. We talk about football here. 96 points is absolutely absurd. Like, I don't even understand. And what's crazy, too, is I believe they were on the opponent's 26-yard line and finally took a knee in victory formation to finish the game. They could have had an 100-piece. <laughs> so why, that, at that point, why the hell not? That makes not? me think that they probably did not, like, they weren't trying to run up the score either. Like, they, I'm sure they put in their backups. and Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. By the way, not only did they score 96, they pitched a shutout on the other end of it as well. Yeah, 96 is zero. Oh, my god. <laughs> they played Texas College? I don't know, actually. I think they're an NAIA. It was an NAIA team. I think they're called Texas College, which I never heard of before. But yeah, I'm also I mean, I'm also not from Texas, so that might help. you are indeed not I'm from not. Texas. Um, it was Texas College. Yep, you're correct. It was the orange out game for the boys. Well, yeah, they, they, they showed up. Yeah, the orange was. They it. showed up in a big way. Uh, they're gonna have a great test next week. That being Western Colorado, who just picked up a quality win over West Texas A&M. They have to go up to Colorado for that game. Uh, that I'm excited to see that because that'll be interesting too. Because like, how do the like, some teams, like, when they get a big win like that, they don't approach the next week as well as they should. You know yeah. what I mean? I would assume, I mean, they know what they're getting themselves into, yeah. that Western Colorado but squad. Still, but still, you never know. Yeah. You know, you know, you're not there. Like, yep. Yeah. Sometimes the focus can be a little bit off. Like, we just won 96-0. How do you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we get to play someone else next week? Sure, let's put up 80 on them. Like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. Um, back in Gleak, Davenport. They're at sit at number twenty four right now. They had their way with Thomas Moore, thirty one seventeen. I think the score, it, it, the Davenport offense kind of did what they wanted. It looked yeah, like in I that think, game, wasn't there a couple late scores by uh, from Thomas Moore? From Thomas Moore, yeah. I thought yeah. it was, it seemed like it was not much of a game because we were watching some of it, weren't we? We were, yeah. yeah. And shout out to our guy, our sponsored athlete, Preston Smith, back from an ACL injury, had two tuds, played some big time snaps in that one, so. Um, especially when you see someone coming off an injury and like be back and be super explosive like that, like really good yards after the catch, really good hands. Um, it'd be funny if any, anytime we like mentioned the D1R athlete, you could like adjust the cameras really quick and just like, boop, on the, just, the little just, like, zoom in on really quick. I would love to figure that out. These yeah. cameras are annoying to mess with. Yeah, I know they are, but it'd be, be so funny if mentioned them is just like, boop, it just, <laughs> just pops up every time. Or if it was like really slow panning over. <laughs> just you know, yeah. yeah, that'd be good. But shout out to Preston. I wanted to make sure I, I said that because I was I was happy to see him back out there and uh, you know looking really solid. Um, Truman State picks up a big dub, at Finley twenty to ten. We That's talked about Indy. Game, yeah. um, a couple other squads that I think are probably worth mentioning. We'll talk about some of those D two HBCUs in just a second. But I wanted to see 
Uh, that Shepard game was 27-26, Southern Connecticut. Shepard yeah, obviously fills a lot of holes. When you have four guys get invited to NFL training camps and you yeah. have the all-time yeah, NCAA passing is, leader leave. Is Shepard going to have a down year? Or is Southern Connecticut really good this year? Or is it probably just a little bit or of both, a, a right? mix of both. Shepard's trying to figure things out. I mean, Southern Connecticut's got a little bit of a squad over there. The Owls. It's kind of a cool mascot. It is kind of cool. I like it. Wait, who are they again? <laughs> Southern Connecticut State. <laughs> Shut your <laughs> Damn. I got you on that one. Damn, you did. You did get me on that. That's bad. Uh, Newberry with a big dub, 14-10 over Shippensburg. Uh, obviously a defensive one in that one. And then Slippery Rock looked pretty solid. But Wayne State, we, we saw Wayne State, Michigan, what, you know, Wayne State University was getting a little bit of hype in that preseason poll. 28-17 to against Slippery Rock, who's got really skilled players across the board. They sit at yeah. 16th in the country. Wayne State hung in there with them. 28-17's a, a very respectable score for that Wayne State squad. 100%. And they get uh, Indianapolis, if I'm not wrong. We were just talking about that. So they get Indianapolis this next week. How about Tiffin? Tiffin versus McKendry, who we've played McKendry. Respectable squad. Last year they had Maybe an, not ex- world beaters, but... but they, last year they had an explosive offense. They their quarterback a lot of was points. a dog. Yeah, they expo- scored a lot of points. They ever scored like 30 points a game last year. They didn't score 30 this first <laughs> No, they did not. They scored 14, which, yeah, not crazy. Tiffin, on the other hand, scored 70 fucking nine. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, seeing that matchup, I thought it was going to be a decent game. I think a lot of people did. Like 79 to 14. Obviously, as in a lot of people, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Oh, yeah, clearly. That's crazy. Clearly. <laughs> Oh, that's so wild. Um, let me find – I wanted to pull up – I want to get a box score from this one, dude, because I can only imagine what the numbers look like, right, in this oh, box yeah, score. I mean, they scored Let's 79 see. points. They did score 79. We, uh, if, if we haven't mentioned that. We did establish that. There's been some um, – we had a team score 96, yeah. a team score 79. So – Quarterback here, Cason Martin. He was 17 for 25, 279 yards, three tuds. They had Devin Nelson was their leading rusher with 155 yards. Average 13 a carry Wow, with two tuds. He had a 56-yarder, looks like. Um, Receiving-wise, they were really well split. They did not have a 100-yard receiver, and they scored 79 points. Where did all the points come from? I have no idea. Jalen Thomas had 84. Josh Lewis had 79. Then it goes down 43, 36, 32. Like, really well distributed. Did they bring him a backup quarterback, and he threw a lot of touchdowns, too? They only had two players throw passes, and the other one was Keegan Ray. He threw one. He was he threw one pass for forty three yards. I'm assuming that was a trick play. Let me. I don't even know if Keegan Ray is a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's hilarious. No, he's not a quarterback. That was his <laughs> first uh, attempt and completion. And he threw for a forty three yards. He should touchdown. be done right there. He probably should. Or it wasn't a touchdown. Sorry, but it was forty three yards. Holy shit! Oh. Uh, that's so, like, that's weird, though. You're right. Where the hell do those points like, where did they come from? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't look like they had one interception returned for a touchdown. That's part of it. But you still, you would think the offensive numbers would be so that's much more. just one. They yeah. Have, they, they have 79, 79 points. points. Where did it come yeah. from? I don't know. Um, all right, finally, on the D2 side of things, before we go over to that conversation with Mike, Trav, we wanted to talk about... Uh, the D two HBCUs, excuse me, winning over the their FCS 
counterparts oh, here. Feel, and well, we've got – go ahead. Going back really quick. They did have like – they had six rushing touchdowns. They did. Okay. There you go. That but, it, again, sense. it was split up. Yep. Like through a bunch of different guys. <laughs> Case and Martin, yeah. who their quarterback, he had three attempts for negative two yards and a rushing touchdown. That was his net, obviously, his net rushing yards. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. The goal line guy. You know? Yeah. Uh, let's take a look at these guys, though. Bowie State, Virginia State, Central State. All took dubs over FCS opponents this past week. Bowie State, 22-11 over Delaware State. You have Virginia State, 33-24 over Norfolk State. Uh, we're going to talk about the ending of that one here in a second. That was ridiculous. And then Central State, 24-21 over Mississippi Valley. Now, again... People were saying, oh, these are bottom-tier FCS teams. It's I don't still, give a shit. They're FCS teams. Like, they have, like, like 65 yeah, like I scholarships like, to give out. The scholarships. Yes. Like, they have doubled the amount of scholarships the D2 has. Yes. Uh, like, roughly. Not, not quite. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not a math guy, so <laughs> I'm close enough. That's all right. You are. You are close enough. These are still really quality wins for these squads. Shout-out to Bowie. Shout-out to VSU. That's such a weird Central. score. 22-11. Isn't it? That's a really odd score. Uh, Central State and Mississippi Valley actually played in Soldier Field as well. That's cool. That's badass. That's really cool. Like that. Where's Mississippi Valley? It's a great question. Why? Because Central State's in Ohio. Yeah. Why would they play at Um, But Virginia State, that game versus Norfolk State, they had Virginia State had a three-point lead with six seconds to go. They're fourth and seven inside their own five-yard line. Six seconds left. They're up by three. The obvious choice, Trev, here, what do you do? You snap the ball. Snap the ball. Number step number and one. It's good. Step. <laughs> I thought you might have forgotten that one. It's, good it's actually the best step. That's, That's the, best the first step. step. And then and he has trouble with the snap. And whoever you have back there, probably your quarterback, you have him. I would hold, think it's probably the quarterback. <laughs> you hold the ball. There's four seconds on the clock. You six. Six? Okay. Doesn't matter. <laughs> You run around side to side in the end zone, and you and you have all your the rest of your team. They hold everybody. <laughs> no, this is how you do this. You know, I it's like true. it. I like it. You hold everybody so they can't get to them because it doesn't matter. The game's gonna end. Now the game can the game end on a penalty? Yeah, it can. It can end on an offensive penalty. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Interesting. And then at the very end, when you're about to get tackled, you just step out of the end zone, and it's a safety. Poor little Dan Orlovsky. Well, not exactly like that. You do it on purpose. <laughs> you don't do it like Dan Orlovsky. Yeah. So that would be, in theory. In theory, that the would right be the play. smartest thing to do. In practice, however, not exactly how it happened. It says reserve quarterback Jordan Davis. He came out of the end zone on a run and failed to make it to the first down marker with time still left on the clock. So now Norfolk State has come on the field and... They've got a field goal on, you know, within the 10-yard line that would have tied the game. They fumbled the snap, and Virginia State returned it for a touchdown to clinch a 33-24 to 24 so win. crazy. Because you're like, Kobe, they're up by three. How did they win 33-24? to 24? That's why. They fumbled the snap and returned a touchdown, or returned it for a touchdown. That might be one of the craziest ending endings I ever saw. Oh, dude! I don't think we can show the video on here. No, but the yeah, just crazy. Like, Definitely check it out. Yeah, Mister um, uh, at the Mister Matthew College Football has the play of it on Twitter. It just, just luck. I mean, you make a mistake and you're rewarded. That's crazy. It's not going to yeah. happen again. No. So 
They could have been. They got away lucky. with that one. Yeah, yeah, they got away with that one like, for sure. That's I'm sorry, cool. Virginia State. What were the coaches thinking? <laughs> maybe they told him the quarterback said, "Fuck it, I want to come and convert." This maybe, son of a bitch. maybe they told him just run around in the end zone until yeah. the time expires. Run around the end zone. Who do I look like? Yeah. I'm getting this first, and I'm going to get him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He is also no longer part of the Virginia State <laughs> football team. Jordan Davis actually had to walk home. <laughs> he that had to walk crazy. all the way back to Virginia. That's crazy. Oh, man. Uh, but that's that's about it for on D2 side of things. we got a little conversation here that we're going to cut to uh, with Mike Hohenstein from uh, Northwest Missouri State. <laughs> Up next in tonight's episode, the man under center for the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats. He helped lead a comeback victory in week one against Missouri Southern. This dude's thrown for over 2,000 yards the last two years, Trev. He is uh, the epitome of consistency. His name, Mike Owensee. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Pumped to get you on here, dude. You got a little game day or schedule poster behind you there? Yeah, yeah. I got our, got our schedule for this year. Uh, one of my teammates is on it, so I'm sure he'll give me crap for having it up right now. Well, I thought it was you, first of all. That would have been an all-time move. Um, but also, is that one of those things where you wake up in the morning and you look at that and you're like, man, I need it. Yep. Every week, need yeah, it. Yeah, we had it up before the season started, so it was kind okay. of motivation every day. So. <laughs> Either way, man, um, you know, you guys didn't need the motivation. You got it done. 31-24, you get the win on the road against a tough conference opponent, which I always forget, too, MIAA. You guys hop basically right into conference play off the bat. There's no couple of out-of-conference to ease your way into things. You're thrown to the gauntlet over at Southern. Talk to me about Saturday, man. Yeah, I mean, we started off slow uh, offensively. Um, we just we knew we just had to execute our plays. It was it was it was our, on us um, for the slow start. And once we started executing, we got we got our confidence and we started clicking on all cylinders offensively. Yeah. So yeah, we got behind. It was a good Missouri Southern team. Uh, they were well coached, but we had a good game plan coming into the week. Um, it was just a little miscues. Um, just to start off, but we picked it up. We communicated well on the sideline, and we got things going. Yeah, second quarter, you figured it out. You scored like 17 in that quarter alone, right? Yeah. What I mean, mm -hmm. did you just have an epiphany in the huddle, or what, what happened there? All of a sudden, we're just putting points up on the board. Yeah, we, we had things open in the first okay. quarter. Like I said, it, it was really just our, our own mess-ups. Uh, we, uh, we had a great game plan going into the week. Um, we knew the types of coverages and the types of blitzes and defensive line stunts that we were going to get. Mm -hmm. um, and our, our line played great. Um, I didn't have no sacks, um, barely any hurries. So yep. if they can I was going to bring that up. Yeah, like no, that, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to bring that up too. Yeah. And if they can keep giving me time like that, we have enough playmakers on offense. Uh, we have a lot of depth. So we, we, we're going to be able to make plays this season. Yeah, and it's not like they were protecting you for 15 dropbacks. You threw the ball 39 times, Mike. They had you slinging the thing out there. Uh, by the way, too, knock on – this is drywall, but Wood, you know, taking good care of the ball, too. No giveaways for you, which when you're throwing the ball 40 times a game is extremely impressive. Uh, your run game, though, having a day as well. Jay Harris had over 130 and two tuds. So right now you guys looking like one of the more balanced offenses in Division Two. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, during our scrimmage game uh, the week before the season, we actually had our starting two running backs go down with injuries. You're kidding. So, yeah, so Jay Harris um, coming off his first year last year uh, had, a, had a lot of confidence coming into this year. Yeah. Last year he, he kind of, you know, eased his way into things, and this year uh, he's looking confident. So we had, a, we had a few backs step up for us. 
And uh, like I said, our line, not only were they protecting, but they're making great running holes for us as well. And anytime we can have that balanced attack on offense, it's hard to game plan for us. Oh, it is for sure. And we were just talking about Grand Valley, who, you know, some of the biggest question marks for them, they lose their top two pass catchers, one of their best players in their defensive secondary. And then the question always is, how do you reload? And when you are a Northwest Missouri State, a Grand Valley State, and you're in that upper echelon of team in that category, you've got guys. Like, you've got guys in the roster. I think people forget that. Like, every dude on that roster is talented. There's no one there that is necessarily a weak link. You've just got more star-studded dudes ahead of each one of them. So um, definitely don't want to have that overlooked. But Southern's defense, you already said it. They didn't notch a single sack. They actually only had two tackles for loss on the whole day. Uh, And you guys, too, you know, your time of possession was 34 minutes to 20 minutes for Southern. Like, you guys possessed the rock almost the entire day. They had their chances to get things done. You guys prevented them from doing that. What do you chalk that up to, having a a clean jersey, we'll say, um, at the end of this one? Yeah, I think we had a couple eight-minute drives uh, in there. I Damn. think our last our last go-ahead drive, I think we got the ball with a little over 10 minutes left, and we gave it back to him with two minutes left. So anytime you could do, yeah, anytime you could do that and keep the defense off the field, uh, it's all, it will always be good for the Bearcats. And, you know, as far as, as, far as the turnovers go, uh, we know we have a great defense. We've always had a great defense every year. So if we can limit the turnovers, we can be in any game. Absolutely, man. Trev, how do we feel? Offensive line, eight-minute drives. What do we think? If we could get an eight-minute drive every time, I'd be happy. You'd be happy about that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They call it a four-minute offense normally? Yeah. They they expect four minutes, not eight minutes. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, it's almost like a triple option team, the way we kind of held on to the ball like that. So it was good. I love it. Well, maybe if you keep uh, flirting around with uh, 300 yards passing, they might not snub you off another flow football quarterback list. Hey, you know, hey, that, that, that really doesn't matter. I'm just yeah, that, good, answer, Mike. <laughs> good answer, Mike. <laughs> That's good. No, um, you're going you're gonna to earn it, man, and you've got another great chance this week to do just that. Next up, Emporia State. Talk about a high-powered offense. These guys are led by um, a man who was on that list and a, a offense that does it on all cylinders just like you guys. They just beat the brakes off of Lincoln this past week. Gave you guys a hell of a game last year as well. It's been very competitive. What are you expecting from the Hornets uh, moving forward, man? Yeah, I mean, their offense, uh, obviously, they pass the ball a lot. They got a good quarterback there. Um, there's a few good quarterbacks in the MIAA. Yep. Um, but, yeah, they got a good quarterback down there. They pass the ball a lot. Defensively, uh, they got three down, three down front. Uh, they like to drop eight a lot. They bring a lot of blitzes, a lot of stunts. So, we're really just focusing, um, watching film from their Lincoln game, watching film from last year, trying to see what their tendencies are. And uh, I think Coach Sturdy put another great game plan together for us. So right now we're just trying to hone in on that. Yeah. Good, man. That's all the real the real crazy football talk I got for you. Although I will say, we haven't had anyone on from Northwest yet. Um, what's up with uh, the built – is it the built power protein or whatever you guys got over there, that deal? Yeah, you're not. Okay, tell me about that, man, because that looked legit. I remember seeing that on Twitter a while back. Yeah, Built Bar. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they, yeah, no free shout-outs, but shout-out to Built Bar, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, we get we get Built Bars, like, uh, after our lifts or after games and stuff like that. They're all just set out for us. So I think we get a new shipment in every six months. Um, there's, like, the normal Built Bars, and they got the Puff Bars. I think the Puff Bars are legit. Uh, those are my favorite. So it, it's always nice to be able to come in from practice or right after a lift and have that recovery ready for it. 
I love that, dude. I, that pinned video on your guys' Twitter is just the facility preview, too. I mean, when you guys make the runs that you have every year, like, it makes sense that you've got those facilities. But, man, football over there, is that just, like, that's it. Like, that football squad over at that school. Um, I, I can't say I've followed. I feel like your other athletics do have some really great postseason runs as well, like men's basketball. I feel like it's always in the conversation, too, over there. Yeah, I mean, our basketball team, I think, has won the national championship, like, yeah five times in the past 10 years or something like Jesus. that. Something crazy like that. Yeah. We're a powerhouse. We just got, uh, we got a dude signed a, a two-way contract for the Rockets, G league and the Rockets. His name's Trevor Hudgens. He's, he's pretty legit there too. Okay. You can look him up. I think they just posted something. They call him like the step back King okay. over there. So yeah, yeah. All of our sports, <laughs> awesome. all of our sports be doing good over here. You know, uh, Maryville is a small town, but they're very supportive. Um, we got a great community out here and, uh, when it's a small town, you know, there's not much to do other than sports. So we really focus in on that. And summer is huge for us too. If you come here during the summer, we got every sport here working. So yeah, we really uh, devote time in the summer. We we think that's what sets us apart. Can we catch you in the pickup courts over the summer, Mike, or no? Oh, of course, of Good. course. Trev and yeah, I just watched uh, White Man Can't Jump last night. Actually, matter of fact, we did. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'd say I can jump a little bit, but you know, a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's it's always nice. nice getting pickup games on a national championship court. So oh uh, snap! Yeah, okay, that's awesome, dude. Mike, I told you it'd be it'd be relatively brief. It'd be painless tonight. That's all I got for you, brother. I appreciate it. I'm excited to see you boys. I mean, like we said, this week's gonna be a test for you. You're gonna have a lot more down the road. If anyone's prepared for it, it's gonna be y'all, man. Thank you so much, dude. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. Have a good one, Mike. Back at it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate him talking a little ball with us. Um, maybe we'll get him on a list here. Maybe we'll make our own list and we'll put Mike on it. What do you think? So he gets included. He should. We should. He just really wants to be on the list. Top 10 Mikes in D2 football. Might, put him right now one. he's like number one. He's got to be up there. I mean, he just, Dude threw for like 280. Yeah. 39 attempts, no interceptions. It's good. Great job, Mike. It's a lot of throwing the ball, throwing the pigskin. But is. we're going to transition and talk about some uh, some D3. And I think the biggest news, Trevor, in D3 football this last week, that was River Falls and their absolute beatdown they put on UMHB, that being Mary Harden Baylor. 45-22. to 22. I just... The Falcons, man. The River River Falcons? I don't know. River Falls. River Falls Fal- Falcons. That's what it is. Excuse it's me. kind of like a tongue twister. It is, dude. Whoever called them, made them the Falcons should have thought about that. But, <laughs> but you and I talk... The week yeah, prior, we yeah, had said, I want to I want to apologize <laughs> to the River Falls Falcons because me and Kobe the other day we were talking like you know River Falls is getting a lot of hype and and I really wonder if they're gonna live up to the hype like who knows like it just seems like it's a lot of hype for I don't that's what I was, that's basically what I said like I didn't know basically yeah I I messed up um, I owe you an apology um, you're not overrated. And you, I just be one of those receipts, like a Deion Sanders says. You should write this down as one of the receipts. Perfect. I mean, that's that's fucking awesome, dude. I love that. Um, But yeah, you and I were talking, like, I didn't know they were going to come out and and have this kind of performance. But River Falls is a squad that had a ton of hype coming uh, into this year. And some people had questioned whether or not that was warranted. Uh, Maybe you being one of the naysayers. But um, Uh, I definitely was. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I was wrong. But it, it's just like you just don't know until they take the field. So it's yeah. like even the people who were saying they were going to be like they didn't know, like you don't know 
No. Sometimes, even in the NFL, like when you have professionals and you have the extensive coverage on each individual position and transaction, you can get such a better idea formulated heading into week one. You still don't know because right. they have to actually play. Exactly. When it comes to D3, it's really hard. D2 even. And you all can that look, stuff. You can look at it like from the NBA, like all these like super teams, like, oh, they're going to be like. On paper, right? Like the Nets a couple years ago. Yeah. Like, oh, they're going to be great. Like they're going to they're gonna win it all. Yeah. But it just doesn't now, work out. A bright spot for, uh, is it the Crusaders, I believe? I believe uh, it is. Their rushing attack. Trev, guess how many, you know, in a loss, how many yards they have rushing? 150. Negative five, actually. Oh, sh- you worded it like they didn't. <laughs> Negative five. Why did you do me like that? You worded it like, oh, they still had a really good rushing yeah. attack. Yeah, they Negative averaged- five total rushing. How many, how many attempts? You want to guess that one, too? 20. 38. Oh my. Dude, what does that front seven for River Falls look like? Also, at a certain point, if I'm <laughs> Mariana Baylor, wouldn't you give up on the run game? <laughs> 38 attempts? Maybe after like 20 when I'm in the negatives, yeah. like, hmm, maybe we should throw the you know, ball. They threw work. for 244. Um, even then, we're not extremely efficient. But, man, that is that is just tough, dude. The rushing attack for River Falls, they didn't even rush for 100 yards, and they had 57 attempts. Trevor, 57 attempts, they didn't rush for 100 yards. 57? Oh, attempts, and they didn't rush for 100 yards. Yeah, now 28 of them came from their quarterback, Caleb Blaha, and he ran for 52 and two touchdowns, but that's on 28 attempts. He averaged less heck? than two yards per carry. I don't know if it's the playing surface. This was at River Falls. This wasn't down in Texas. On ice? I don't know, man. These stats are just very interesting, dude. Ah, uh, uh, UMHB had three different quarterbacks in the game: Jackson Tingler, Isaac Fee, and Landon Howell. Each of them threw for over oh, ten different times. So, just trying to figure some things out, I guess. Clearly, yeah. Maybe they should focus on blocking. Yeah. River Falls with seven sacks in the day. That helps you well, out a lot. Well, that helps with the negative Absol- rushing. Yes, absolutely. Because when I say negative five, obviously. It's the for, total, yeah. Yeah, it's the net. Obviously, they rush for more than negative five yards. But when you take all of the positive minus all the sacks and take that into account, then it becomes that number. So we can probably actually find. I don't know if we can find that. Um, yeah, we had. Uh, looks like six different guys on River Falls roster, you know, accounted for a, a sack, which wow. is really crazy. That's, crazy, That's yeah. really good spread. Like, there's not one guy on this list that really jumps out. A couple different guys had some solid TFLs. Uh, Drew Han is man, one with, with five they're, tackles. That uh, They're going to be a good team this year. I've been saying that. Like, <laughs> But, like, that's the thing. Like, a really good spread. We talked about it with, um, the, you know, UTB. Like, they didn't have a receiver over 50 yards. And, yeah. you know, they put up 40-plus points. Um, you look at... 50 yards, 47, 46, 43. Dude, that's your top four. Like, that's a really even distribution. Yeah. And then it goes 34, 29, 16. Like, they're getting the ball around to a bunch of different playmakers. Their rushing attack is absolutely the same way, even though they didn't have uh, a ton of success on the ground. This team's going to be very, very interesting, man. That was, I think that's as, the biggest uh, story out of out of week one, right? As Jimmy Martin says, the WEAC, man. The WEAC. The WEAC. Yeah, they've got a couple out-of-conference games before they start that WEAC play. They go Ohio Wesleyan and then Northwestern, which they might rule both those teams. Yeah. Um, I'm well, not what really they did sure to, how that's going to go. What they did yet? Uh, not, well, I keep saying yesterday, and it's Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I get you. Um, 
considering what they did on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably going to roll those teams. On the contrary, UMHB does not get a break before they start ASC conference play. Trevor, the next two weeks, they're on the road at number five, Trinity, who just lost in a double overtime throw to St. John's. Talk about that in a little bit. And then they go, and they're at home at least, but they've got Whitewater coming to town. That might be the hardest gauntlet of three weeks that you could possibly imagine in D3 football. Didn't we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. We did, we? and now it just seems even worse. <laughs> yeah. You know well, we I mean? thought River Falls is going to be the easiest out of those couple games. And they probably should have been, but now who knows? Yeah. Looking at again, looking at it on paper. But I, they I've known been. the whole time, though, that River Falls is <laughs> kind of like LeBron. Like LeBron already <laughs> That's, I, was gonna, I was about to pull up another little meme. <laughs> I already got one meme on you today. I can't do two in a row, dude. Um, other big-time scores. I guess we can go right over and talk about that uh, Trinity game a little bit because that one was a really big-time one. We have other ones to highlight as well. But St. John's ends up winning this one, um, OT, 34-31. And whew, that's at home for St. John's too, by the way. So Trinity had to fly up from Texas, I'm assuming they flew, uh, for that one. I would hope so. And looking at the stats on this, we talked about Tucker Horn, or yeah, Tucker Horn, excuse me, this guy's going to be in the conversation for the Gagliardi Trophy, and if he's not after this week, I don't know when he will be. Trevor, 28 for 33. Oh, my God. For 352 yards, two tuds, no interceptions. That's efficient. And he lost. Yeah, that's crazy. But, I mean, really incredible stat line. It, was, it just seems like it was a great game. It was. Oh, it, it absolutely overtime, was. Like, yeah. That was just one of those, uh, kind of like a heartbreaker for him. Quarterback for St. John's, 24 for 33, Aaron Syverson. 280 yards, four tuds, no picks. That's some good quarterback play in that Dude, game. Dude, this game had to have been insane. And excuse me, I didn't really get to watch it. It's hard to, you know what I mean? It's hard to watch all this yeah. stuff. But, um, you know, the rushing attack, we, pretty we, balanced too. We only have two eyes. We can't we can't watch every game. Two eyes apiece, man. It's tough. It's, it's freaking tough. Again, though, the rushing attack, 65 yards total for Trinity, 87 for St. John's. It was all through the air. Like, both of their attacks are very predominantly um, – you know, passing attack. I don't know if I'd say air raid style, but it's kind of weird. Uh, a lot of the teams that were recapping, <laughs> recapping, have been very uh, air raid. Recapping. Yeah. Never mind. Teams not rushing well. There you go. And there you go. Games we recap. You got it. You got it. Again, another team that spreads the ball out really well. Will Taylor, their leading receiver, eighty-four yards on five catches. Then you go. Uh, Cole Benago with 74, Ryan Merrifield with 57, Caleb Crawford, 45, Winston Hutchinson, 36. They're not having, it's not one guy. Like, they're having to cover everybody. And, you know, it, I think. That makes it so much harder for teams. Yes. In my, in my opinion. And I think the, the best takeaway from that is, I'm sure these t- receivers are very talented. It's the quarterback oh, yeah, that is 100%. making these guys have these numbers. Uh, Tucker Horn is just, I'm assuming, looking at this, just playing out of his mind because he is getting the ball to people in space and, they're making plays, man. And these each of these guys has a long of like, you know, this guy, 37, 37, 29, 23, 21. So it's not, these aren't all dink and dunks. Like they're taking yeah. shots and they're getting it with more than one person. Not every one of these guys is going to have extreme burners up the sideline. So like he's throwing them open and making good plays. That's huge. Big time. So, yeah, I mean, if you're Trinity, obviously not the way you're going to start. But again, looking at games like this, there's just not. Bad takeaways you can have no. from a loss like that in overtime. My takeaway is quality St. John's team. Both of those teams deserve to be four and six in the nation. Yeah, 
You know what I mean? It's like, absolutely. it was just a great game. Yeah. And so then, obviously, uh, they host Mary Harden Baylor this next week. That one's going to be uh, Mary Harden Baylor bounce back. Like, they're a squad that's going to they're going to have to bounce back. They will. That one will be very interesting. Let's move on. Let's go uh, number 11, Whitewater, at number 17, John Carroll. Whitewater wins this one late, 27-23 I didn't realize, for the Warhawks. I just totally missed that. I didn't realize how close of a game that was. It was an absolutely great game. And I think I that goes to show, too, that. like, looking at the rankings, um, shout-out to, like, D2Football, D3Football.com, like, those guys, they've ranked these teams really well they for have. the most part. You know what I mean? Besides River Falls, like, I've been saying how legit they are. <laughs> they should not be 23. They should be way higher. Uh, yeah. Sure you have. Sure you have. But um, <laughs> Whitewater, obviously uh, a decent amount of question marks coming to this year, and I think it wasn't so much question marks around Whitewater as it was – a lot of hype around other squads. When you look at teams like Lacrosse, teams like River Falls, even a squad like Oshkosh now that are like Plat- really producing. Platteville, I mean, Platteville's getting a lot of talk too. Like the whole, well, they just put up like eighty points, didn't they? Yeah, something crazy. Rip Lakeland, <sighs> rip, dude. Damn, the Muskies too. Yeah, dope ass name. Not not their mascot's not the cool muskie though. No, that's uh, Muskingum. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the question marks around Whitewater, not necessarily around their team specifically. It's about the other WEAC teams just being so strong. So great to see that this is still a Whitewater team that can compete in that conference and, more importantly, compete um, when it comes to playoffs potentially as we continue to move forward. The last one here, kind of a surprise, Delaware Valley, uh, Cortland University. Delaware, number 10 at number 17, SUNY Cortland. They got the bad end of the stick on this one. Cortland wins a big time, 42-13. to 13, Shuts down uh, the Aggies' offense. Our guy, Louis Barrios, not the day Who doesn't get shut down very often. No, he does not. He's a dual-threat guy, has a lot of skills. Um, you know, technically, you know, 11 for 19, 85 yards. He did have an interception. Tough, man. Like a tough day, and, you know, it wasn't just him. Like, they brought in a couple other guys, looks like, here, threw a couple passes. They just could not get anything going offensively the rushing attack for them really wasn't having it um you know there's a couple big plays here it looks like uh Dylan Shimano at a 52 yard catch like there's a couple decent plays um for the Aggies but at the end of the day their offense just was not having it I wanted to see here the time of possession I feel like one of Delaware Valley's touchdowns was a um it was obviously like a trick play yeah, because the one, yeah. Yeah, the one throw right there for that. What's so his name? Rob McConnell. Okay, gotcha. One for one for thirty nine yards and a touchdown. A couple stats here. Third down for the Aggies. They were two for eleven. That's tough. I mean, you're not, not going to sustain you're drives. Gonna, you're not going to win too often. No, two for eleven. Not good. Not good at all. But fourth down. They're one for three. Is Cortland's quarterback was twelve for twenty two for one thirty five two yeah. touchdowns and one pick, and he got sacked three times. Mm-hmm. But I they do. did run for 306 yards. So that helps. That that, that usually helps. helps a lot. And they had four rushing touchdowns. Cortland did not punt the entire game. That also really helps. Damn. Damn. That's pretty. That's pretty wild. Um, and they did recover a fumble from uh, DVU, so that was a big part of it, too. Turnovers certainly played up. We talked about the interception earlier, and then uh, to have a fumble turnover, that is uh, those are things you just can't do when you're playing a I'm team like guess, Cortland. I'm looking at the punting. Joseph Martin, he had 
four punts or 74 yards and a net average of 18. Okay. He might have got one blocked. Yeah, because the 18 yeah. would suggest that, correct? Oh, no, never mind. His long was 27, so. Oh, might, maybe not. Maybe not. We might be doing a walk-on trout over there, it sounds like, at the punt Sorry, position. Joe. And then uh, Sorry, Joe. their other punter was two for 48 yards and a net of an average of 24 yards. Uh, so. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I guess the last one I, w- I would mention here, uh, Ithaca at uh, hosting, excuse me. Or no, wait, no. Ithaca at number 18, Johns Hopkins. They end up losing that one. Johns Hopkins comes out on top, excuse me, 27-17. That's a big win for those guys over there. Um, for a lot of people saying they're a lacrosse school. Been hearing that one quite a bit. So uh, big time for them. We talked about the week a little bit. Here's a stat. We got a couple more little pieces here before we wrap up. Kobe Berghammer from UW Oshkosh had a fucking day, Trev. School record for most touchdown passes in a single game. He threw seven of them bitches. 48-31 win over Texas Lutheran. Tony Steger, their wide receiver, also had a career day. Three tuds, 144 yards receiving. They're back at Wheaton this weekend. Man. That's impressive. Very impressive. Shout out Kobe. He's got a good name, man. Good, strong name. Spelled the same, too. Spells it like you, too. Yeah. What a guy. Love that. Absolutely love that. Absolute dog. He's a dog. Shit, we saw him play up here. He did. He came up here and played. He's a dog. He's a good football Um, Shout out to Kobe. That's a a huge stat. Now, finally, Trevor. We can throw him up, man. Jim Harbaugh. (sighs) Rest in peace. May may his soul rest in peace. Michigan football doing their best to honor him in this very difficult time this weekend. Um, With the proceedings here, you can see. And just really a touching... A touching tribute to who someone who was a, you know, a great a great man in the coaching world and has profoundly impacted a lot of uh, really prominent young men. Yep, he's dead, right? No. Oh, he has a suspension. Oh, from the NCAA. No, no, Kobe, self-imposed <laughs> from the University of Michigan. Does, does uh, Michigan football just want every everyone to hate them? If you're not a Michigan fan, you just want everyone else to hate you. Because this is ridiculous. This is the most corny thing I've ever seen. And J.J. McCarthy's, McCarthy's shirt. I can't say right I, so I'm bad. so mad. He's fuming. Free Harbaugh? He's not in jail. He's not in jail. He can go to practice, too. He's just not, he's not there on the sidelines. He can? Yes, he can be in every practice. So he's not even doing anything. It's not even a... That's barely a suspension. There it is. Look at that. <laughs> this is a joke. This is why no, no, everyone hates Michigan, but Michigan fans. <laughs> like, come on. Hey, free my boy. He ain't do nothing, all right? He ain't do nothing. He just tried, was this a game yes, for the cheeseburger, it's a, it's a right? suspension stupid. I completely agree it's stupid, but also you're playing three <laughs> bum squads... Compared to the University of Michigan, let him just—he gets to just watch it on TV and be a normal person for once. Can he not be in the stadium? I don't think so. He—he he might be able to be in the stadium for all I know. Yeah, he could just be in the first row of the stands. Oh, Trump teams—they got UNLV and Bowling Green both coming to their place the next two weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, that should Arnold, been, it should have been a thirty nothing game too. Didn't East Carolina kick a last minute field goal just yeah, to get points yeah. on the board? It definitely ruined someone's spread. Jim Harbaugh's probably like in the first like row of stands, and he has like like the glasses on with the fake mustache, with his hood up, and he's still just coaching. Headset. He has a headset. headset yeah, he's in plugged there. into JJ. Yeah, 
But free him. There he is. God, what a clown. <laughs> but he donates to the kids, Trev. He oh. gives to charity, Trev. Good for him, but he's a clown still. <laughs> I, those aren't mutually exclusive. You you can be a clown and still be a, a, a good person. Human. A yeah. decent human. Yeah. But you're a clown. <laughs> like, what is he doing? That is the craziest thing is that it is a self-imposed suspension, yeah. and now it's free Harbaugh. And I just don't get it because, like, like, I know it's a dumb, like, it was dumb. Yeah. It's, it's the totally, whole cheeseburger thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's totally dumb. I, yeah. I agree with that. But, but like, it's a principle thing. But, like, wh- why why do all this? It's three games. He can be there at practice. All he has to do, he's not going to be there on the sidelines. You know the grand scheme of thing? A head coach shouldn't do that much game day. Technically, because, if you know, assuming you're not doing offensive or defensive play calling. Yeah, which he doesn't. It's a more about... <clears throat> Timeout calling, maybe gutsy decisions on fourth downs, yeah, right. things like that, like certain points in the game. But they you're, do, like you're right, your head coach shouldn't have to do much on game day. It's about the preparation and getting yeah, the pieces exactly. in place to perform. And frankly, how much preparation do they even have to do the next three weeks? The next That's couple. That's a great weeks? point. That's a great point. It's just isn't this is his dad coaching one of the games, right? I didn't even see that. I'm pretty sure they announced like maybe. I mean, we got time to look at it. Let's see. Um, I'm pretty sure they announced like who would be coaching the next couple games for for Michigan. John's coming from uh, the Ravens. I heard he's coming. Brother's coming over. I actually really. What's crazy is he's I, awesome. I I actually really like John Harbaugh. Yeah. You can't tell I'm not a big Jim Harbaugh fan. I'd be surprised if you told me that. Um, I need to find it, but there's like they made a graphic, letting people know. Who would be coaching the next couple weeks? Um, and I think it's worth at least looking at because it is just I want to see, dude. They people were blowing up that tweet too, dude. People freaking love that tweet throwing the fours up for the head honcho. People love that shit. So stupid. People love that shit. Rest in peace. <sighs> Rest in peace to to Jimmy, man. Uh, let me find this. I want to find this graphic before we wrap because I I now I just want to know. It's one of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know how you are, how you are, Kobe. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure one of them was his dad. Here it is, Coach Harbaugh announces coaching duties for the first games of 2023. Here we are, Trev. And if it would load, there we go. Take a peep. Mintner gets the dub versus ECU, and then Jay Harbaugh and Mike Hart. I believe are going halves, right? First half Havsies. and second half there versus UNLV. Havsies. So sorry, not his dad. Sorry, Jay. I don't know why I thought dad. I just knew another, another brother. Harbaugh. Don't know. He's young. And then uh, Moore gets the a... gets the nod versus Bowling Green. Don't love the graphic design options that have been going on for Michigan here. Though. No, that's his son. That's his son, Jay. Yeah, that's what you're thinking. That Jim's okay. Maybe yeah. You, I'm you had backwards. something going. There, I was yeah. thinking backwards there. But there you go. Hey. Mm. Uh, but just rip Coach Harbaugh. Yeah, we can't end on that note. Rest in peace. Thank you for listening. It's been Division One Rejects. <laughs>